Hello, everybody, and welcome to Walking Between Shadows. I'm Taryn Elliott, and along with me is my amazing husband. I'm Ben Elliott. And we're here to talk about true crime all the time. Hey, Taryn. Hey, Ben. We're going to talk about another case today. We are. Yeah, so this week on Walking Between Shadows, you've got... Rosalind McGinnis. Right on. And this is a this is a survival story. So this is this is good. We talk a lot about death and, and sadness and, and this has got a lot of sadness in it, but it's also got a lot of of um, resilience and courage and and a lot of good things about it too. Yeah, and like you said, this is really a survival story, so it is. Tell me about it. This is a story of Rosalind McGinnis, and Rosalind became a victim of her sick and twisted stepfather, Henri Piet, at a very young age of 10. Rosalind's mother left Piet because of his abuse, but when Rosalind was 12 years old, Piet abducted her after school one day. Rosalind was held captive by her stepfather for 19 years. 19 years of abuse and nine children later, Rosalind escaped. Wow. Yeah. So let's go back to 1997 to Patoa, Oklahoma. And I hope y'all are as inspired by Rosalind's courage and resilience as I was researching this case. Rosalind grew up in Springfield, Missouri, and the beginning of her life was pretty good. She was on the list of honor students in her school. She played the violin and dreamed of becoming a veterinarian one day. Yeah, she was real accomplished at a young age. Yes, she was. Smart and stable and, and doing really well in school and supported by her family. Mm-hmm. Did she have any siblings? She did. She had a brother and, I believe, a brother, or a couple brothers. Rosalind's mother and biological father were separated. One day, when Rosalind's mother was handing out flyers for a neighborhood watch, she met Henri Piet. The two quickly became friends, and that developed into a much deeper relationship. When Rosalind turned 10 in 1995, Piet moved the whole family to Oklahoma probably to isolate them from the McGinnis family. Piet started molesting 10-year-old Rosalind, and by the time she was 11 years old, she and her mother were being abused regularly by Piet. Piet began raping Rosalind in their Oklahoma home. Rosalind and her mother both went to a women's shelter, and in January of 1997, Rosalind's mother decided to separate from Piet after less than a year of marriage. The separation infuriated Piet so much that he came up with a sick plan to get back at Rosalind's mother. Unfortunately, it was the 11-year-old Rosalind who had to pay for her mother's decision to leave Piet, and she suffered for 19 horrific years. Piet manipulated his stepdaughter into marrying him in a fake ceremony that him and his 15-year-old son from a previous relationship, Toby, orchestrated in the back of his van. Toby was forced to officiate the bogus wedding between 
42-year-old Piet and 12-year-old Rosalind. He even gave Rosalind a ring to make it look official. Rosalind and her mother moved to Patea, Oklahoma, hoping to get away from Piet for good. But Piet had calculated a much more sinister plan, which was to abduct his fake 12-year-old wife a year later. The abduction of Rosalind was finally executed in January of 1997 with the help of Piet's son, Toby. On January 31st of 1997, while leaving school, Rosalind was boarded into Piet's van by Toby. That day began the suffering of Rosalind that lasted almost 7,000 days. What did Piet do for a living? How could he afford all this? I really don't think he did anything. And we're going to get into that in a little while. So what he had done is he, while he was still with Rosalind's mother, he executed this plan to, he was already molesting and raping Rosalind. He he did this fake ceremony mm-hmm. and made her feel like she was married to him. I mean, even gave this ring to her. And, of course, she's only 12 years old. Yeah. So it was easy to manipulate her. Yeah. Especially as vulnerable as she was after those years of abuse from him. The revenge of Piet didn't end at staging a fake wedding to Rosalind and subsequently abducting her. After illegally taking Rosalind away... He took her to a Tulsa motel room about two hours away and told her that her mother didn't want her anymore and that she was already considered a runaway. Rosalind said much later after escaping captivity, I didn't know what was happening. The next thing I know is that my mom isn't there. My brothers aren't there. None of my family are there. And I'm by myself with this man. Cut. Piet dyed Rosalind's hair and made her wear eyeglasses and told her she'd be going by a new name. In fact, in the many years that followed, both Piet and Rosalind assumed different names with corresponding IDs. Piet introduced Rosalind to his other children as their new mother, and he planned on having more kids with her. Back in Oklahoma, the McGinnis family launched a campaign to find Rosalind. They assumed she had been taken by Mr. Piet, although the search was called off about a year later. I mean, they knew who she was with, so were they looking for both of them? Well, that I don't really know, but I'm gonna get into it. I think maybe it'll explain a little bit more. Okay. Rosalind's name was never taken off the missing persons list after her mom reported her missing. For some time, Piet, Rosalind, and his kids lived out of Piet's van, frequently traveling to different locations throughout Oklahoma and moving to different states, anywhere from Montana to Arizona and even California. Every time they would go back to Oklahoma, Piet would force Rosalind to write her family letters to make them believe that their daughter was still in the state. So that's why. Mm-hmm. Finally came the day that Piet had to seriously evade authorities. So they left the U.S. and went to Mexico in 2000. There in Mexico is where Rosalind faced the worst emotional, sexual, and physical abuse that a person could possibly imagine. In Sonora, Mexico, Piet and Rosalind lived in a small tent in a rural village and traveled to larger towns to beg for money. Rosalind was able to support herself and Piet's children with the money she earned being a street beggar. 
She then learned to make homemade items such as honey, coffee, and ice cream, which she sold to help with finances. But the severe abuse continued, and Rosalind had to endure being sexually assaulted by her stepfather almost daily. Living in poverty and evading U.S. authorities didn't prevent Piet from impregnating Rosalind. He forced Rosalind to sexual encounters almost daily, getting Rosalind pregnant for the first time at age 12. But she suffered a miscarriage. Not knowing what to do, Rosalind followed Piet's instructions to flush the fetus down the toilet. At 15 years old, in 2000, Rosalind became a mother for the first time, followed by eight more babies, brought to life without any medical assistance. In public, Piet would introduce Rosalind as his daughter, who was pregnant by her Mexican boyfriend that left her. When Rosalind turned 18, Piet forced her to go into a police station in Arizona, where they were living at the time, and tell them to take her off the missing person list because she ran away in 1997 from Oklahoma. When she was finally free much later, Rosalind recalls this time as a very nerve-wracking moment. He had parked three blocks away from the police station with three of Rosalind's children. He told her what to tell them. He said if I didn't he, he said, if I didn't come back in two hours, I would never see my children again. She always wanted to get away from Piet, but always got caught and suffered the dreadful consequences she'd grown very used to by this time. Life in Mexico was as close to hell as you can get for Rosalind and her children. She continued to experience the horrific abuse her fake husband inflicted upon her. Rosalind said, any kind of abuse you can think of, he did it to me. She experienced being beat by Piet with a baseball bat, beer bottles, an assault rifle, and stainless steel frying pans, and a two-by-four cut. The children weren't spared from their father's cruelty either. He hit them with boards and rocks, threatened to kill them with machetes. Piet likewise molested his daughters and gave them a stern warning that if they ever tried to escape, he would find out and beat them to death. His oldest son with Rosa managed to escape as a teenager. All the money earned by Rosalind was being spent by Piet on drugs and alcohol. The most heartbreaking for Rosalind was watching her kids be verbally abused by Piet. He would tell them they were animals. He treated them like animals and tell them the only reason they were alive was because their mother was there. Otherwise, if she wasn't, he'd kill them all. Rosalind tried hard to protect her kids, but Piet would beat her badly every time she did. For 19 years, the thought of getting out of that hellish situation alive crossed Rosalind's mind often. She said, I figured I would escape with my life or with my death. Oh, you know she was terrified. Oh my God. And being so used to that. Yeah. I mean, that's even worse because you tend to know how to survive in the worst of situations, and it's no kind of life. It seemed like she still had hope. Yeah, but then you're fearful of what the other side is like because yeah. you've never lived it. And then to have nine little babies mm -hmm. that you're responsible for to get them out too, mm -hmm. you know. Rosalind kept going. 
and maybe fate brought her to the two strangers in 2016 who then opened the gate for her and her children. Earlier that year, Rosalind and her kids, with Piet in tow, bought grocery items from a supermarket in Mexico. Lining up at the checkout counter, an English-speaking couple, a woman who asked to be called Lisa, an American woman, and Ian, an Englishman, came to the rescue when Rosalind was short on her bill. The couple helped her and started a conversation with Rosalind. A friendship came from that. Rosalind introduced herself as Stephanie and Piet as Bill. Lisa and Ian noticed the age difference between Piet and Rosalind and the many kids they had and felt something wasn't right. Just as their friendship was forming, Piet moved Rosalind and the kids to a remote mountainous area in Mexico. Despite this, Lisa and Ian kept in touch with Rosalind and decided to go visit her and the kids. On that visit, Piet accidentally admitted that he was 62 years old. Lisa had been told by Rosalind that she was 32. The oldest child was 17 years old. Lisa did the math and figured out Rosalind was only 15 and Piet was already 45 at that time. Ugh. To Lisa and Ian, this was a huge red flag and they knew something was seriously wrong. Lisa's suspicions grew even larger when witnessing Rosalind's eight kids living in three cubicles that were little more of the size of a walk-in closet. Lisa stated they were all skinny as rags, and the kids said that Piet didn't love them. She wanted to support Rosalind and her kids, so she and Ian offered to help by getting Piet locked up or in rehab. Mm -hmm. As it turned out, the couple became instrumental in the escape of Rosalind and her children. Weeks after Lisa and Ian's visit, Rosalind was then offered a chance to run away somewhere where Piet couldn't reach her or her kids. Cut. The right timing came when Piet passed out from excessive alcohol consumption one day, so she told her kids to pack some clothes and be very quiet. Whatever little cash she had was then spent on a cab that brought them to Lisa and Ian's home, who still knew Rosalind as Stephanie. Two weeks after staying with the couple, Rosalind finally told them the truth about herself, Piet, and the horrible circumstances that brought her to them. Cut. Rosalind then told Lisa, I've been waiting almost 20 years for somebody to do the math and figure out that a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old Shouldn't be having babies like this. That's so sad. July of 2016, Ian and Lisa directed Rosalind to the American Consulate in Mexico, which is in conjunction with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And they assisted Rosalind in her trip back to the United States with her children. Cut. The case was referred to the FBI, so the authorities continued to work with Rosalind. Her statements, dozens of copies of IDs, birth certificates, and Mexican documents presented were the basis for the Mexican Prosecution's Office to indict federal charges against Henri Piet, who at the time was still in Mexico at large. While Rosalind was starting her new life, Piet was inching closer to his end. So he was still in Mexico and yeah. sick or? 
they ha- he was still homeless, you know, just living mm-hmm. wherever. She had gotten back safely to the United States with her kids, and they were building a case against him at this time mm-hmm. because, you know, he crossed over state borders after kidnapping, and they had to have all this evidence. So, mm-hmm. so they more or less were waiting to either go extract him or extradite him? Right. Okay. Since Piet left Oklahoma with Rosalind and his kids in 1997, he'd been in an elusive catch for the U.S. authorities. Finally, in September of 2017, Piet showed up at the U.S. Embassy in Mexico to get a new passport. That's when authorities arrested him. The FBI and Mexican authorities teamed up in processing Piet's deportation to the U.S. In October of 2017, Piet went back to the U.S. to face his crimes. At the district attorney's office in Oklahoma, Piet told the FBI that he thought Rosalind was already emancipated at age 12 and willingly went with him. He admitted, he admitted though, that he had had sex with her and got her pregnant nine times and he physically hurt her. Piet refused to be tagged as a monster though and said 99% of the allegations against me are lies. I'm telling the truth. He then added, I never raped any children. I loved my wife. We were married. Cut. But the court wasn't hearing any of his bullshit because in June of 2019, Piet was convicted of kidnapping his stepdaughter. On February 25th of 2020, Piet was sentenced to life in prison for kidnapping plus 30 years for traveling with the intent to engage in sexual acts with a juvenile. He also was ordered to pay $50,000 in restitution to Rosalind and $50,000 to the courts, which I don't know how that would ever happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, they had nothing. Right. The federal prosecutor had some strong words for Piet after sentencing. Life in prison is a sentence that, law, that the law reserves for most serious offenders, offenders like you. For 20 years, you inflicted extreme physical and emotional abuse on the victim and her children. For 20 years, she feared for her life and her children's lives. So after 23 years, Piet faced justice and got what he deserved, a life in hell that he made for himself. That's the least of what I think Well, absolutely. I mean, maybe he's getting hell in there. Who knows? Probably, Probably not. Mm-hmm. Well, Bubba may be his cellmate. You never know. He probably wouldn't care. He was a sick bastard. Mm, that's true. Rosalind felt so much relief after Piet's sentencing as she told the media, I'm just happy he is put away where he can't hurt anyone anymore. My children and I suffer daily as a result of this predator's abuse. Now we can look forward to continuing a newfound life of freedom and moving forward and having a lifetime of happiness and success. Adding to Rosalind's relief was finally telling her children the truth after years of covering it up. God, I don't know how she did that. She explained the reason she didn't tell them, of course, was because what I knew inside and how much it hurt me and how much it damaged me, I didn't want them to grow up knowing that. Expectedly, her kids were shocked to find out. So Rosalind comes back to Kansas City, which is close to us, and money was raised 
at a GoFundMe for her around $40,000, I believe, back in about 2020, 2019. And um, she took that money to help get set up here in Kansas City. So, yeah, it's a pretty amazing story. Well, it sounds like she got the opportunity to turn her life around. And man, that couple that helped break this free, uh, I'm sure she stays in touch with them. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm that's sure a great. That is amazing. I mean, just the resilience and her courage and her, mm. you know. Yeah, and living the rest of her life knowing she beat the probably worst hell that she could have ever been involved in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. What an amazing story. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, thank you, baby, and I look forward to next week. Thank you. This has been Walking Between Shadows. Again, I'm your host, Ben Elliott, and my wife, Taryn Elliott. Look for our next episodes coming soon, and don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button.